On the show today, Rich and I discuss the Alabama versus Texas instant classic, the great corny dog feud, and a unique riff on the last word cocktail. I'm your host, Brad Jackson, and you're listening to the September 12th, 2022 edition of Coffee and Koshan. So, Rich, uh, this last weekend um, was a great college football weekend. Uh, there were plenty of upsets, uh, lots of excitement. Uh, my son and I were able to score some tickets to the Alabama-Texas game, which was an instant classic. Uh, someone at my office had tickets they weren't using, um, so I uh, snatched those up. And um, I just wanted to share some of the story of it because it was it was an amazing game. Came down to the wire. Uh, Alabama ended up winning at the last minute. Um, and it's one of those uh, games where it, you're just amazed that you were there and, and saw all the stuff. Um, I, so the game was an 11 a.m. game, which is way too early at this time of year because it was like a million degrees, you know, in the Texas sun at that time of day. Uh, there were no clouds at all. Um, at one point, there was a cloud that moved over the sun during the game, and the entire audience uh, cheered louder than they did for anything on the field. Um, and the cloud moved away about 30 seconds later, and everybody booed. Um, it was it was just one of those days where it was just incredibly hot. But we had gotten there early because uh, both ESPN Game Day and Fox Big Noon Kickoff were broadcasting from the game. In fact, they were at opposite ends of this little street in front of the uh, stadium within eyesight of each other, which I thought was also a little weird. Um, and uh, it was amazing. We got there at 7.30 um, before game day started, and there were already about 20, 25,000 people maybe there, uh, most of them at game day. Uh, and then there were uh, a ton of students who were there because uh, the way tickets work this year for students, you can get a seat but you've got to get there early to get that seat. It's not like you get, um, when, I, when I was in college there, uh, you would get like a wristband. You go ahead of time and you get a wristband and that gave you a seat and yada, yada. This year, they're like, great, you can have a seat, but we don't have enough for everybody. So if you want a seat, you got to get there early to get one. So apparently the students started showing up at 4 a.m. and lining up for seats to get into the Bama game. And when we got there at 7.30, the line for students to get into the game was over half a mile long. Um, and it was insane. Um, and considering the game ran until three 30 and they stood the whole time, some of those students were standing for almost 12 hours, which is, uh, hard to, to imagine, but, uh, I guess that's why they're young. Um, but, uh, anyway, it was, it was incredible. There was a lot of, uh, uh, food and, uh, drink outside the stadium to get everybody all frothy before the game. Um, I will say our our new AD, who's been here a few years, really knows how to throw a party on game day. Uh, you know, I know I, I know every school sort of does their own thing. Um, at Ole Miss, you have those um, you have those great tailgates that sort of go up and down the grass lawns there. Uh, at Texas, we have this thing called Bevo Boulevard, and it's this stretch of the street outside the stadium that they close down. And they bring in food trucks and uh, amusement rides like a Ferris wheel and like rock climbing wall and a zip line, all sorts of stuff anyway. And all the rides are free. So you can ride them however long you want. If you want to spend six hours on the Ferris wheel, you can. Um, and uh, it's a lot of fun, but they also bring in just tons of food trucks. Um, so you can get just about anything you want because um, 
because Fox Big Noon Kickoff was there, they brought a giant Wendy's truck that was handing out free Wendy's uh, that morning. It was uh, iced coffee, um, some uh, um, some French toast sticks, and some hash browns. So it was great. Um, so my son and I just ate, sort of ate our way around outside the stadium before the game. And one of the things we had is uh, is sort of the topic of our conversation here. And um, uh, it comes from a a food truck um, that is part of a restaurant chain out of Dallas that had a food truck at the game, and it's called the Corn Dog with No Name. And where it comes from is the family that invent, invented the corn dog. Um, it's the Fletcher's family out of Dallas. Um, the, the corny dog, as they call it, that you get at the Texas State Fair before the Texas OU game every year, um, is the original corn dog. And it debuted at the fair um, almost 100 years ago. And that family now, as as with barbecue families in Texas, there's, of course, like an internal family feud in the family. And so the younger generation that wanted to do a brick-and-mortar, sort of more modern take on the corn dog, but still use the family name, got in this long, drawn-out legal battle with the rest of the family that was like, no, 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 it has to stay exactly the way it is, only at the fair, and you, you can't have it outside the fair because that's what it is, yada, yada, yada. And uh, there's this great, very lengthy Texas Monthly article about it, and we'll link it in the show notes. Um, but it's fascinating because um, if you've ever been to a state fair, you know, there's always all that great fried food, and it's one of those things that's sort of fun about going to fairs, and it's one of the reasons cardiologists are, are, are uh, so uh, doing so well. Uh, particularly in Texas, we love our fried food. And um, the uh, corn dog with no name group, which is the younger part of the family, uh, they've tried to do some some different corn dogs, like some that have like a pickle inside or a jalapeno uh, wrapped around the uh, sausages that's inside. Uh, there's one that's dipped in bacon, like bacon bits, and then it's fried. It's incredible. Um, anyway, uh, so they had uh, corn dogs at the thing. And as, as we were walking by from... Um, the uh, game day event to the big noon kickoff, we passed by it, and I was like, oh, holy shit, we got to stop and have a corn dog. Um, and my son was like, why, why are we having a corn dog? It's like like 8 in the morning. And I was like, no, 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 just trust me, we've got to have a corn dog. Um, but uh, it was incredible. And uh, it's interesting because uh, I love corn dogs. They, I, I associate that with football because uh, when you go to the Texas OU game every year, which is at the Texas State Fair, you always have a, a corn dog and a beer before the game. Uh, depending upon how early you get there is how many corn dogs and how much beer you have before you go to the game. Um, but uh, I, I love it because it's very much a football food to me. Um, are you a big fan of corn dogs, Rich? I am a big fan of corn dogs. And I, I love this story because uh, one thing about modern life is there is nothing new under the sun, even when you think there is. And uh, at my previous job, we were always doing different things and a couple of my coworkers and I uh, got into a habit of kind of tormenting the bosses with every time they're like, Oh, we need to, you know, come up with an idea for this. And there was some food vending at the job. And so we kept pitching these uh, alternative corn dog trucks where it's like, all right, we're going to have, you know, chorizo dogs and we're going to have all. Oh, yeah. and, and then it turns out, Oh, well, this is already a thing that exists as this family feud illustrates. 
And, you know, there's even a restaurant in Fayetteville, home of University of Arkansas, uh, now that is like a, a brick and mortar, like alternative corn dog. I, I think it comes from maybe Korea. I want to say that Koreans kind of pioneered the, uh, you know, sticking a cheese stick inside the sausage and then frying it all up. But I, I, I love all of, you know, I love all the fusion things, but there is something about just a plain corn dog that as much as, you know, you and I like cooking and like more extravagant and detailed dishes, just taking a good old uh, hot dog and breading it in cornmeal and frying it is one of life's simple pleasures. It really is. It, it is a simple pleasure, but it's, it's, it's so wonderful. And it's one of those things that I love about food is that food is so evocative. It, it takes you back to a moment. You can, ha- you can smell a certain food or you can bite into a certain food and immediately be transported to another moment in your life. And for me, when I had a bite of this corn dog this mor- uh, on Saturday morning, I was, I was transported to the Texas State Fair before the Texas OU game. And I love that food can do that. It's, it's something that, that, is, that is so special about great food. Yes. And for me, the funny thing about corn dogs is growing up, we were a big fry daddy family and the fry daddy was this beautiful kitchen contraption that was basically just a a bucket with, you could plug in and heat up oil and fry in it. And it was like $20 and it predated all the more extravagant home fryers that we now have. You, You can't even buy a fry daddy anymore. But they were small, which is probably one of the reasons they fell out of favor. And so when my dad, my dad was a big corn dog guy. He's still alive, but he eats a little healthier these days. But when we were making corn dogs, in order to fit them in the fry daddy, you would always cut most of the stick off in order to fit them in. And so now it's still one of those things. Every time I eat a corn dog at the fair or football game or whatever, it's almost like, I'm grabbing right by the base of it because in my mind, it shouldn't have, a, you know, an entire stick on it. <laughs> See, that's great. That's what this food does. That's so perfect. Um, all right. Before we talk about this great cocktail that you found, um, which has a wonderfully appropriate name for this week, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about this Texas-Alabama game. Um, I want... I want every ref who's listening to this show, if there are refs listening to this show, to look up the definition just for yourself and, and, and for future use of what a safety is because there was an illustration exactly of what a safety is at the game on Saturday. And for one reason or another, I don't know if that was a fancy car in their driveway or a check in their back pocket or whatever, the refs were unable to identify that it was, in fact, a safety against Alabama. Um, but uh, if you need a refresher, you should look it up in, in the manual and going forward, keep it in mind because that was a textbook definition of a safety. But for one reason or another, they just forgot about it. It So I missed the game. Arkansas played uh, South Carolina at 11 a.m. also, so I, I didn't go. I was watching it on, uh, well, initially listening to it on the radio, uh, coming back from a horseback riding lesson from our, our youngest daughter, and then uh, watching it at a buddy's house. And so I missed all of this drama until after the Arkansas game. And, you know, I, I'm not a ref. Uh, maybe my my vision is too good, but come on. I mean, 
targeting and, and for those who haven't watched the game so I'll, I'll give you a little a little background here you know and brad can elaborate since he was there but so alabama's quarterback goes down in the end zone except he lands on another player which means he was not down at this point he attempts to just blindly chuck the ball there was no one there in the interim one of Texas's players comes in to tackle the quarterback because he's still not on the ground. And he was called for targeting, which is why Brad is so livid and why so many Texas fans and even Alabama fans and just fans of football in general, because the dude was still actively playing. It is not targeting to try to tackle a quarterback who is still actively playing. So it, uh, I'm, I'm not even a vested you know, I don't have a vested interest in either Alabama or Texas. You're my enemies when it comes to football, but come on. It's just like watching the replays. It's, it's just terrible. Like I was trying yeah. to explain this to our oldest daughter who plays volleyball. And I'm like, you know how there are calls that are bad, but they don't really affect the game. This affected the outcome of the game. It did. So there, there are two things here. Either he was down and it's a safety or he um, he threw the ball and it didn't exit the end zone, which means it's intentional grounding in the end zone, which is a safety. So uh, I, uh, either way here, it's a safety. And some way or another, we exited that down without a safety because they said, oh, there's targeting. And then they reviewed it and they're like, oh, no, nope, never mind. There's no targeting. But then never made a ruling on the safety, which is just mind-boggling now i i will give credit to our fans who are notoriously soft um every single person stayed in their seat in that game despite the fact that it was like 111 degrees until the very very last minute and um i think the one thing this game does show even though it was incredibly frustrating is how exciting it's going to be to have texas and oklahoma in the sec which might be as early as next year maybe the year after at the latest um, I think it's just going to be great for everybody involved. And frankly, schools should stop scheduling cupcake teams and just have more of these fun, exciting games. The other games, you know, that we've seen uh, this year, you saw that uh, Oregon Georgia game. Uh, those were not two cupcake teams going after each other. That was exciting. Uh, Texas and Alabama playing uh, against each other. <laughs> exciting game. I mean, it, we should do more of that. Less cupcake games, more games like this. And I think college football will be better all for it. Yeah, definitely. And the, the other thing is, as you know, being an Arkansas fan and, uh, you know, we long suffered here is sometimes those cupcake games blow up in your face. Yes, you know, they you do. think, oh, you know, we've uh, scheduled, you know, nowhere tech for homecoming and then nowhere tech comes in and drops, you know, 50 points on you. Uh, Al, uh, uh, not Alabama, A&M, Texas A&M can speak to that from this week because they had Appalachian State cupcake team that you know totally demolished them and uh so it blows up in your face um if you're gonna lose you might as well lose to alabama or georgia or whoever um instead of appalachian state um anyway after the game on saturday there was a lot of drinking to be done uh especially in austin um and if you need a drink and you want something fun uh rich has got this here this division bell drink is fantastic. Rich, tell us about it. So 
This was actually something I fell upon. I originally intended, and we will come back to this, uh, in honor of Queen Elizabeth, I was going to make her favorite cocktail, which doesn't really have a name, and it's a, a gin and Dubonnet drink. So I went to five different liquor stores looking for Dubonnet, and apparently, you know, this is one of those things that sits there and collects dust, and I guess the Queen's passing inspired others to uh, make this drink. So I came up empty-handed, and so I had to uh, kind of uh, go back to the drawing board, and from the spaghetti, which we did a couple of weeks ago, I've got some Aperol, and I was like, all right, let, let's look up Aperol cocktails. So that's where I found the Division Bell I almost had all of the ingredients, and uh, so I did go a little rogue on this in more ways than one, and the uh, the Division Bell is a mezcal, mezcal drink, uh, which is like a smokier tequila, and then the Aperol, and then some Luxardo, maraschino liqueur, and fresh lime juice. So I did not have mezcal, but I do have some Bacanaro, which is a... Uh, a drink of sometimes dubious legal origins. I, uh, <laughs> it is uh, the the real. It is very similar. It's kind of halfway between tequila and mezcal, and it's uh, has to be made from fresh agave. You know, out in the Sonora region, uh, you know, cooked over these pot stills, but it does have that smoky flavor. And so I, I put this all together with my uh, Bacanaro and the Aperol and the, the Luxardo and lime juice, and it is a delicious, refreshing cocktail that will carry us into the true fall football season because those of us in the South, uh, it's, it's actually surprisingly cool here in Arkansas today. I woke up and it was 60, but it's supposed to be back to 90 by Tuesday. So we've got a little bit of summer drinking left, even though it's September. So this is a great one to uh, kind of close out the summer season with the, the, the brighter, uh, lighter, uh, you know, hot weather cocktails. And I would strongly recommend this. And if you don't have anyone who can provide you with a, uh, you know, liquor of dubious origins, then you can just go to the liquor store and buy mezcal and make the division bell. And, uh, it is an easy one. It doesn't require anything crazy. And, uh, it's, it's just delicious and refreshing. Yeah. And I love that idea because, um, I mean, the last word is such a classic cocktail. It's one of my brother's favorite cocktails. Um, and it's a great, it's also a great starting point to riff upon because, um, it's easy. It's, it's equal parts of X, Y, and Z. And when you do something like that and you use that as your base, there's just so many places you can go, right? Right. And it's something that we've mentioned a couple of times, you know, the classic cocktail recipes, you're going to have your liquor, something sweet, and then some, uh, citrus. And then, you know, with the, this one, you add in the extra, uh, not exactly savory, but the Luxardo uh, liquor. But, you know, you keep that formula in mind. You can look at different cocktails and say, okay, well, what do I have that's similar? And you can start playing at home and you will be surprised at what you can come up with if you just kind of follow these basic formulas. Yeah, and I love that. Um, and uh, I think that's such a great name to Division Bell. Uh, we could do a whole show on just naming cocktails. Um, which, which we might do sometime because I think there's a real art to that. Um, but the story about how this one was named, 
uh, is great, and we'll, and we'll link it in the show notes so people can read it. Uh, but I, I really enjoy this. I, I think this is a, this is a great cocktail, perfect for this time of year. Um, as you said, fall is is around the corner. I'm sure of it. Uh, even though I just went to a, a football game where it was like triple digit, I, I'm sure. I'm sure follows around the corner. I'm sure of it. It, it has to be after such a brutal summer. <laughs> it, it, we've got to have a brutal winter. It just it has to be here. I I drank way too much Gatorade today or uh, yesterday for it to be a uh, for it to not be fall. It was so so damn hot after that game. Uh, anyway, thanks so much, Rich. Always a pleasure. Hey, thank you, Brad.